Hello, and welcome back to Talking Tom with Osband here with my friend Chavruta and Gordon. Our DAP today, Masakh Rosh Hashanah, DAP Yun, page 10. So our DAP today really starts with a discussion on the previous DAP, right at the bottom of Amud Tet, and, uh, Amud, uh, Tet Amud Vet, uh, 9b, there's a Tosefta quoted there. Tana Ravanan, Echad Anotea, Echad Amivarich, Vechad Amarkiv, Erev Shvi'ich, Loshim Yom Lipnei Rosh Hashanah, Ata Loshanah. So if somebody plants a tree or layers a vine, so it will take root or grafts a branch onto a tree, basically on the eve of a Shemitah year, which is what this year is, 30 days before Rosh Hashanah, right? So as soon as Rosh Hashanah comes, it counts as a year, right? So what they're really talking about here is uh, the uh, prohibition of Orla, right? So the prohibition of Orla, and again, and this is what you're referring to, that the uh, prohibition of Orla is really discussed in Seder Zra'im, which is the first uh, of the six Sedarim of Mishnah, which also do with agricultural law. There's no Talmud Bavli on it, um, other than Masachat Brachot. Uh, but the Yerushalmi does have uh, Gemara on it, and that is the fact that the Bavli is written in Babel, which is in diaspora, and a lot of these laws really didn't apply, as opposed to Yerushalmi, which is written in Israel, and they were occupied with some of these laws. So when we get to these laws, they sort of appear sporadically throughout the Bavli, but not necessarily in any type of organized fashion. So basically what they're saying here is, is that the question is, is if you want to get the tree sort of to get an extra year in full, uh, a full year, let's say, because basically what Orla is, is you have to wait three years, okay? So you can do anything with the fruit on the tree. The fourth year, you bring up the crop to Yerushalayim. And then the fifth year, you can basically start using the tree regular. So they're basically designing a way here, the Tosefta, that says if you plant it 30 days ahead of Rosh Hashanah, then it would sort of count as a full year. But the question is, what if it's before a Shemitah year? Because we know that we're not allowed to do agricultural work on a Shemitah year. So the question then really becomes, you know, is it enough time sort of, let's say, to say that the tree, whatever you planted, took root so that we don't consider it as having taken root during the agricultural year, but it was enough time before the Shemitah year started um, that we say it actually took root before and it can count as a full year. So this Tosefta basically says it needs to be 30 days before Rosh Hashanah. It will be Kedar Hashanah. Mutar l'kaimim b'shvi'it, right? And it's permitted to preserve the plant during Shemitah. So one of the things that's considered with Shemitah is is that you are allowed to do some type of work in order to make sure that whatever you do have that grows in your garden or your field doesn't get destroyed. The idea of Shemitah is not to let everything go bad, but we don't do new things. So that's why it's not that you could plant something new on Shemitah, but whatever you have there, sort of you can preserve. And so therefore, the time of planting before Shemitah year start is actually critical. What it's basically saying is how much time do you need to plant for it considered to not be sort of new growth anymore. And so this Tosefta is saying you need at least 30 days before the Shemitah year starts. Right? And if it's less than 30 days, it can't be considered a year. And you wouldn't be allowed to do anything to preserve the growth on the Shemitah year. And if the planting or the layering or the grafting that it talked about took place 
more than 30 days before Rosh Hashanah. The fruit of this planting is prohibited until the 15th of Shvat on the fourth year of the planting. So that's the other thing that's interesting here. Even though it's three years, it's not three years from the planting. We actually go to, to we go through to the Tubishvat, and that's sort of when the fourth year um, begins. Imla orla orla and this accounts just for orla, which is when you're prohibited to eat the fruit itself, and also for the fourth year of of the fourth year produce, which needs to be eaten in Yerushalayim or redeemed, you would basically, because sometimes your fruit wouldn't last long enough till you got up to Yerushalayim, so you would redeem it for money and then take that money and eat it up in Yerushalayim. So that's how we sort of count the years. So it's interesting to see sort of like, uh, you know, we can shorten a year on the on the front end, and we sort of lengthen a year on the back end. Um, I'm not going to get too much into the Gemara here, because basically what the Gemara does is, is then sort of go through who does the Tosefta actually follow? Is it the opinion of Rabbi Meir or is it an opinion of uh, Rabbi Elazar? And what that has to do with is basically looking at, do they have other examples where they count a short period of time as sort of a full time? So in other words, does Rabbi Meir say that you can count one day, one, uh, one day of a year to count as a full year? And the example they use of that is his understanding of the word par in the Torah. Um, and, um, you know, that's sort of what they're, but maybe you could also hold it according to Rabbi Elazar and they, and they quote another Mishnah um, sort of in order uh, to prove that. But I think this Tosefta, so I guess maybe I'm really doing a podcast on the previous stuff. <laughs> well, it's stuff. also all repeated on this stuff. So right. I find it helpful because it is but, but I think that the major issues that are being brought up here, just to give some structural is, you know, it's quoting a Tosefta. I think it gives us some good information about Orla, about Shemitah, about Ravi, all three of those halachot. So, you know, I would ask everybody to spend a little time, you know, just look on encyclopedia and just to learn a little bit more about it. And then the essential discussion basically is, is taking two Tanayim, Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Elazar, and basically saying, which, whose opinion does this line up with? And the way they prove that is, is by trying to find other Tanaitic writings of theirs or statements of theirs, you know, when do they count, you know, a small portion of time as being the larger portion of time of a year? Okay, so I'm going to jump to the end of them a bit. So we were kind of like getting both si both edges of the daf today, but they kind of flow together because the discussion at the end of the daf is Rabbi Yochanan talking about the opinions of Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Lezer and on exactly this business that you've just described. Yordana, and it's going to lead into something that is actually going to lead into tomorrow's daf, but in a in a rather beautiful way, and then we'll leave you all hanging for the beauty of tomorrow. Both Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Lazar, um, who are right, they've dis they have this disagreement over how much time is going to count as a as a year, how many have to count it as a year. They're both interpreting the same verse. The verse says, it came to pass, right, on in the one and six hundredth year, in the first month of the first day of the month. And this is really talking about, it's Parshat Noah, right? Just think back to the Parsha a few weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, when the waters dried up from the earth, right? So that's what, that's the, what they're talking about. Rabbi Meir Savar, Akati Yom Echad, who da'ayil b'shanah. There's only one day into the year, meaning 600 than one day, 
And then it counts as if it's a month. It counts as if it's a year. So he's going to say, One year into the one day, rather, into the year is going to give you the whole count of a year, even though only one day has passed. The Idach, meaning Rabbi Elazar, the other guy, pardon me, the other one, he, he says, if it had said, if it had said it like that, 601 years, then he would accept Rabbi Meir's position. But what does it really say? On the one and 600 years. Meaning the year, the, the word year applies only to the 600, not to the one, not to the word one. So then that one, according to Rabbi Lezer, cannot be counted as a full year because it's separated too far away from the from the noun, I guess, of year. What does it mean, the one? It just means the beginning of one year, not that the first day counts as a whole year. And for as much as we generally do like Rabbi Meir and a lot of Rabbi, a lot of the mission is built on his shitot. There's something kind of practical about the way Rabbi Lazar um, kind of rejects his rationale that one day counts as a year, as opposed to simply saying we're already beginning the new year. So then the Gemara wants to know Rabbi Lazar, my Tama, what is Rabbi Lazar going to say? What's the rationale for his opinion? Because we understand where Rabbi Meir comes from. We might not like it, but. All we have from rebels are on these same words is simply the rejection of Rabbi Meir's opinion. What does he really think? He says, well, we've got this verse, right? This says on the first month, on the first day of the month. So he says, since you only have one day into the month, but it's already called a month, then you can understand that one day of a month is considered a month. Meaning, don't think that one day of a year counts as a year. That's too big. But one day of a month counts as a month. Once you have one day of a month counting as a full month, then once you've got a full month, you can then count the full month as a year. Meaning not one day as a year, but one day as a month. And then one month can be calculated as a whole year. Right, the idea that the month is calculated according to months, and then the year is going to be calculated according to a year, um, which could be, you know, kind of interpreted interpreted to mean the same thing as Rabbi Meir, in that you just have the one day that becomes a month, and a month that becomes a year. But I do think that Rabbi Lezer is a little more cautious than that to say that really we're talking about thirty days to be considered a month uh, is going that takes the thirty days to get there. Um, maybe. I, I, I'm not sure. I feel like this is subject to a little more thumbs and digging than I can, than we can manage on the, right these now. Are one of those da- these are one of those dabs that you sort of, definitely frustrates you, right? Like you really right. want to spend time with it and you're like, I'm not sure I can spend the time with it that I need. And I want to, I want to do the math. I want to figure out like, what's the other way to read this? If he says, one day is considered a month. And 30 days counts as a month, as a year. But if one day counted as 30 days, isn't that then tantamount to saying that the one day translates to be one year, which, by the way, is exactly what Rabbi Meir's position is, which is why I'm reluctant to say that's what that's what Rabbi Lezer says. But it takes a little bit more digging to figure out where then the Nikutana Machloket. But what I want to get to is the next bit. Mikal de Trevahu 
So the Gemara says, well, we can understand from all of this that both of them, Rabbi Elzer and Rabbi Meir, both agree that the world was created in Nisan, in the month of Nisan, and that the years are counted from that month, which takes us back to the initial Mishnah, right? And if the world were created in Tishrei, and the count were to start then, right, that would mean that the first day of the first month of the 601st year would already have been six months into the year when they start counting the year in Nisan. Okay, so let's, this is truly a mind bender, right? Where you end up saying, and I said this when we first opened with Masachar Rosh Hashanah, that is, we're creating God, if God created the world at the time of Tishrei, then it's like he created the world in the seventh month, which is perfectly reasonable if you have a calendar that stands independent of the actual phenomenon of the earth, let's say. But according to this rationale, if they're going to say that the whole business with the 600 day, 600 years and one day, right, that has to take place because look at six, the end of the 600th year, right, is going to be at the very end of Adar leading into Nisan so that you have one day of Nisan. So if the world was created in Tishrei, you wouldn't have one day. You would have six months, five months and one day, right? It would be too long. So then we can understand that the two of them, Rabbi May and Rabbi Lazar, because of this dis- dispute, they basically say, ah, the world must have been created in Nisan and not in Tishrei. And then the count is, this is where it gets a little complicated. How do you, what do we do with Tishrei? Never mind the fact that we've got liturgy that says on this day, the world was created and everything like that. So this is where it gets even more complicated. And as I said, we're going to leave you hanging till tomorrow. Tanya, Rabbi Lezer says in the Breita, right, that they, that they actually, the Tanaim actually disagreed about this. But Tishrei Nivra Holam, this is Rabbi Lezer's point. But Tishrei Noldu Avot, so we've got a tradition, I mean, a pretty clear tradition of what's happening when Rabbi Lezer says that the, in Tishrei the world was created, in Tishrei the patriarchs were born, in Tishrei the patriarchs died. The patriarchs here seem not to include Yitzchak, right? Because Yitzchak was born on, in Nisan, a Pesach time. And then on Rosh Hashanah, Sarah and Rachel and Hannah were all remembered by God, meaning that they conceived. And Rosh Hashanah was also the day that Yosef came out of the prison. And then the Brite continues on to the next daf, but then with, that will stop. Rosh Hashanah batla avodami avotenu b'mitzrayim. On Rosh Hashanah, presumably here being Tishrei, right? That the slavery ceased on Rosh Hashanah. Benisan nigalu, then they were redeemed in Nisan. That we know. But And then in Tishrei, we'll get the future redemption. Now, this math is tricky, meaning even just to say that they stop being oppressed um, in Egypt on Tish, in Tishrei, and then they were re- redeemed in Nisan. Like, what happened in all those months? Is this where they've already left Egypt? But the, the lineup of how this is going to match with the narrative as we know it is a little bit tricky. And I think that we're going to continue with it when we talk about more aspects of redemption tomorrow. Well, I'm just going to end with this. Tomorrow has one of my favorite braces ever. So <laughs> Stay I've tuned. For this. I've been waiting for this time. It's a be- there, there, there's a beautiful knock locus. And uh, 
We'll see. It's all good fun. Well, that's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank us, review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to Reverend e. Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about the staff on our Talking Talent Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn.